Well, thanks for joining us once again as we continue our look through the Bible. We are in week five of our journey through God's Word this year. and We should have been reading Exodus chapter 1 through 15 this week. We finished up the epistle to the Galatians with 5 and 6, and then we started the epistle to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3. Had a few psalms mixed in there as well, Psalm 105 and 114. And I truly, truly hope that you are enjoying reading through God's Word and that you are receiving a blessing and encouragement from that each day. I know that I have, as I have just spent that dedicated time each day reading through a portion of God's message to us as children. I would like to draw just a few things for you again here today. And I want to get started in the book of Exodus. And Exodus is such an exciting book as you as you see God working in very specific ways to save his people, to redeem his people. And it's just so encouraging as we read through that. The first thing I just want to remind you of and just make sure that we have in our heads, it's so easy for us to read through these stories in the Old Testament and think, well, that's just a really nice Bible story. This is literally history. This is um, something that actually happened, and these are events that are recorded, and they're recorded in other um, extra-biblical sources as well as in Scripture. But when we read these things, I just think that there's a danger that we could think, well, that's, that's really nice for us to believe. These things actually happened. These are historical events, and that the history of God working in very specific ways, it's important for us to recognize that those things actually did happen. I think that encourages us, and that challenges us to remember who God is and what He has done. What I'd really like to draw out for you is just a simple thought through the first half of the book of Exodus here, and it starts in Exodus chapter Four, and it just it just stuck out to me this time as we read through Scripture, and I'm sure that I've read it before. Maybe I didn't really notice it, but it really it comes from the thought that Moses's staff was an instrumental part of this story. And if you look at Exodus chapter four, and I hope you have your copy of God's Word open there together, and you can mark some of these things, or you can see where they're at. But um, Exodus chapter four. The Lord has visited Moses in the burning bush, and he has come to him at uh, Midian there, and he's revealing himself, and he is he's showing Moses, telling Moses um, what he is going to do. And so Moses, I think like any of us, is probably a little apprehensive there that he's out in the middle of the desert tending the sheep, and he finds a, a bush that is burning but is not consumed, and through that, he receives a direct revelation from the Lord. I think we probably all would have been in his shoes to be a little bit skeptical and probably a little bit afraid. But he, he approaches God here and he says, I don't think they're going to listen to me. You know, they're going to say, this didn't happen. The Lord didn't appear to you. And, and God asks this question in chapter 4, verse 2. And the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? And he said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared 
to you. God gives him this sign that comes from something that is very ordinary. You know, this staff was simply a shepherd's staff. It's something that Moses had probably carried for many, many years of his life. This was something that was commonplace for him. He did not go to tend the sheep without his staff. And so it was just a staff. And God says to him, what is what is that in your hand? And he says, a staff. <laughs> it's just something that's very simple. But as you continue through this story, it's something very ordinary that God uses for extraordinary purposes. And as you go through and Moses and Aaron begin to go before Pharaoh and they begin to work these miracles that God is using um, to, to show his power is what we're told in chapter 9 so that his name may be proclaimed in the earth that God has raised up Pharaoh and has hardened his heart and he is using those things to show his power and his glory. Um, as they begin to work those miracles, we see here that that staff has a very integral part in those. In those first three plagues, actually, God uses the staff of Moses and the staff of Aaron to, to work those miracles. And as you continue on through there, you see that um, he continues to use that. And I believe the seventh plague there in chapter 9, God uses Moses' staff again. Um, he tells him to stretch out his hand towards the heaven, and so he lifts up his staff, we're told in 9, chapter 23, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire ran down to the earth. And as you continue through this story of Israel's deliverance, you're going to see God using that staff not just to perform miracles against Pharaoh, but also miracles to provide for his people. And Moses stretches out his staff over the Red Sea when you get to chapter 14. And the, the wind of the Lord comes and blows the water back, dries up the ground, and so the people of Israel are saved. And as you continue on, even past our reading this week, you're going to see how God provides through that staff. In chapter 17, from the water at the rock, when Moses strikes that rock and water springs out. It was just a good reminder to me that sometimes God uses things that are seemingly very ordinary to accomplish his purposes. And as I thought through my life, you can think probably about times where God has revealed himself to you, where he has taught you something, he has shown you something through something seemingly ordinary. Maybe it's the word of a child that God uses to remind you of who he is. Maybe that's a glorious sunrise or sunset where we see the heavens actually proclaiming the handiwork of the Lord and it reminds us of who he is. Maybe it's a book that you read or a song that you heard that God used to speak directly to your heart exactly where you were at and you knew, you knew that that message was from him. Maybe it's a time of just regular Bible reading that can seem to us something very ordinary to take 15 or 20 minutes out of our day to sit down and to read God's Word. He's using those seemingly ordinary things to accomplish His great purposes. I've been doing some study this week on Genesis chapter 1 for the new sermon series that we're going to get started with, Unshakable Hope, and the, the promises that we get from God in Scripture. The first one that we're going to look at this coming Sunday is that you are stamped with the image of God. That you yourself bear some of His characteristics. Maybe that ordinary thing that God is going to use to accomplish His purposes is you. 
Maybe you don't feel like you are something or someone that God can use or will use. Maybe you don't feel like you have the right history or have the right past or that you've done some things in your past that you think that God cannot use you. Let me encourage you that God uses ordinary things to accomplish His purposes each and every day. And because you are created and stamped with the image of God, you bear His likeness, Genesis 1.26 tells us. You are by no means ordinary. God is going to use you in incredible ways. That leads me to my, my second observation, and it comes from the book of Ephesians here this week, and it's in Ephesians chapter 3. So I'd invite you to turn there as we look at that. And Paul, here in Ephesians chapter 3, He's writing to the Ephesians church. He is in prison at this point in time, and he's writing to them, and he is reminding them of his purpose and their purpose. And as you get started in Ephesians chapter 3 here, you see that Paul knew that he was called specifically for a purpose, that he was going to take the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ past the nation of Israel to peoples who were Gentile believers. And we see that happening and. We see that in chapter 3, verse 6, he says, This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Jesus Christ through the gospel. Don't miss the importance of that statement. That we, even people who are not of Jewish heritage, when we know Jesus Christ, when we have trusted in him, and we have trusted in his gospel, that we are fellow heirs of God, that we are members of his body, we are partakers of the promise that we will reign and we will rule with him forever. And that, Paul says, that was my purpose. God called me specifically for that. I want to read just the end of Ephesians chapter 3 and remind us of our purpose as those who have been called. This is starting in verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory." For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus 
throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Wow, powerful words there from the Apostle Paul. And he says here that he was made a minister according to God's grace so that we who were not of the Jewish heritage, of the people of God that he called out as we saw in Exodus, that we would know who God is. And that through that, the church would display the manifold wisdom of God. That is our purpose that we would display to all people as his image bearers and as people who have been saved through the gospel of Christ, who have recognized that that mystery that was hidden for so many years is now clearly named in the person of Jesus Christ, that he came to this earth to redeem, that God used him for that. That we would, through that revelation, through knowing Jesus Christ, that we would make known the wisdom of of God, and that we would give him glory, that we would be able to show others who he is. And Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus here is a prayer that I have prayed for our church here at Czech Row many times, that, that you would know the power of God and that Christ would dwell in your hearts, that your faith would be strengthened, that you would be rooted and grounded and loved, and that you may know beyond a shadow of a doubt the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ that surpasses our knowledge so that you might be filled with the fullness of God. And that's the prayer that I'm praying for you today, that you would recognize that God has called you for a purpose. And even if you think you are seemingly ordinary and that God cannot work through you, I want to just remind you that it's not you at work. It's according to the power that is at work within you. And that's the power of the gospel of Christ. That comes from Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. When we recognize those things, when we, when we see that God is using us for his purposes, we get excited to be able to give him the glory. And we recognize that no matter who we think we are, we are God's handiwork. We are redeemed in Christ Jesus. We are his people. And because of that, we have a purpose. God will use you, just like he used Moses' staff, a seemingly ordinary thing, to do something great if you will let him, if you will recognize who he is. And so that's my prayer for you today, that you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are filled with the fullness of God, and because of that, you can choose to live for him. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed our time here again together. Please plan to join us again next week as we look at week six and get started um, finishing up the, as we finish up the book of Exodus and Ephesians and get started into the book of Philippians, one of my favorite books in the Word. I think it's going to be an exciting time. I hope that you have a wonderful day, and if you have any questions or need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out and let us know. Thanks for joining us. God bless.